1: I said no gifts. I'm Bridger Weiniger. Oh, I hope you're doing fine. Uh, What's going on in my life? Uh, I ate dinner at 5 p.m., and so I'm full, but it's earlier than usual. I feel like that time just continues to slip backwards. Uh, That's just maybe a condition of the pandemic. I feel like by the time this is over, I'll be eating lunch at 8 a.m., and that's fine. We're just doing what we can do. You don't care. That doesn't matter. You're here for the podcast. And so we're going to get into it. I'm very excited about today's guest. And you should be, too. Just a dear man, none other than Jimmy Kimmel.
2: Hey, now. How
1: you doing? Jimmy, welcome to I Said No Gifts. It's weird to see you without glasses. It
2: is. It's a kind of a new development for me. I feel like I should put on glasses now since you are now not. (laughs) Balance the scales here. I bought these. These are women's glasses. I bought on Costco.com. dot What? They're they're very nice looking. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, they are. I, I need reading glasses now. Right. And I lose them constantly and they're all over the house. <laughs> so I buy them in packs of 11 now. And then sometimes they show up and they're like, I don't know what color this is, but uh, they're not designed for men. They look nice. Oh, thank you. Wait, so Costco sells glasses in bulk? Oh, they sell everything in bulk. Yeah, yeah, you can get a whole pack of reading glasses on (laughs) Costco.com. What if you want to launch an optometry office or something? (laughs) Yeah, we're opening a lens (laughs) crafter's actually. You remember how Pamela Anderson opened a Starbucks in her home just so she had it there? Wait, is that true? Oh yeah, you. Oh yeah, you missed that one. You're too young for that one. It was a big story at the time when it happened. It was like, oh my god, nothing crazier than this will ever happen. (laughs) (laughs) when I was a kid, when I was in, um, junior high school, I wore glasses. I always, I had glasses as a kid, but my parents were too cheap to ever take me back to get another pair. It's like, these are the glasses you will Mm -hmm. wear for the rest of your life. And, um, one arm broke off my glasses (laughs) and they never took me back to get another pair. So I wore for at least a year and a half, I wore glasses with one arm. And oh, I, I'm here no. to tell you that you don't need two arms for glasses. You can <laughs> wear them unless someone calls your name and you turn your head, in which case they will go flying across the room. Right.
1: I feel like that's going to require a decent amount of tilting your head. That's going to lead to some sort of neck problem.
2: You learn to work with it. But yeah, you might. Maybe I'll find out in my 80s that that's where my neck is <laughs> going wrong. to manifest itself at some point. <laughs> you're going to just have this strange tick that you're dealing
1: with. Wait, so what, how did you solve the problem? You ended up convincing your parents to get new glasses? I
2: applied for... um, What do they call it when you divorce your parents? (laughs) Uh, Emancipation. Yes. (laughs) I became emancipated. No, I got a job (laughs) and then I just bought my own
1: glasses. Right, right. Yeah. Well, glasses until maybe five or 10 years ago were a very expensive thing to buy, unless you wanted the worst glasses in the world. Isn't it
2: funny that you can pay... Like, you can get a pair of Ray-Bans or whatever, or even more expensive. I sometimes... I'll wander in the sunglass hut with my wife and I stare at these glasses and go, why is this one $350? And then the glasses at CVS are $1. Why is that? And the answer is, I don't
1: know. Well, I think you put them on and you'll, you'll know almost immediately, or at least yeah. people looking at you will know what's going on. I I, I feel like a CVS pair of glasses
2: well, I don't know. I haven't looked at the CVS glasses in a while, so I They're can't. They're not I'm as not bad judge. as they should be. I mean, the the price comparison, like if you bought a car that cost 300 times as much as another <laughs> car... <laughs> You'd say, well, there's, you know, this is a much better car. But in the case of the CVS glasses, it's like 40%. That's very true. This is
1: the thing that I feel like an optometrist told me they were trying to sell me on a pair of glasses that were like $500. And they told me, well, they'll last you 10 or 15 years. And I thought, I don't want that. I don't want to be wearing the same pair. (laughs) Uh, These will not look good in three years. In 15, I'm going to look like I'm out of my mind wearing a pair of glasses.
2: Unless you're Woody Allen, you don't wear the same pair of glasses for your whole life. And no one wants
1: to be going for that look in any anyway that's (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, out of style (laughs) oh oh to be in a sunglass hut now that's the dream oh yeah sure
2: how are you doing i'm doing well everything's good you know i i there are definitely things i enjoy about this lockdown time of our lives you know i'm I'm doing a lot less which is nice (laughs) i mean you were working from home for a long time yeah, I was doing the show for my actually the first week I was like kind of doing everything by myself. I was just sitting and talking into my laptop <laughs> and then we decided that maybe we should we should coordinate it. And we didn't realize, you know, at the time I thought, well, well this will be over in two weeks. And <laughs> we all did. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've seen, but we have, you know, we forced the staff into the into the studio. Right. And so there are like 15 people sitting there <laughs> pretending to laugh at my jokes. They make a very good audience. Yeah, they're pretty good. Because you know what? One of the I found that it if you find if you have an audience whose jobs, whose livelihoods depend upon laughing at your (laughs) jokes, really funny, you turn out to be hilarious. (laughs) If all of the audience is being paid at all times,
1: you're going to get a decent laugh. That's Yes. And you guys have a new kind of setup for the guests. You've kind of got this a little bit more casual. You're not behind a desk anymore. How are you feeling about that?
2: Yeah, that's one of those things. What do you think of that? Because I, I feel like maybe I might not ever go back to the desk. I don't know. I kind of like just sitting there.
1: I mean, I think you're kind of a casual guy. I, the desk has, I mean, has long expired as far as why was it ever there in the first place? Why is it's not an office job? Well, it's
2: in case I need to do my taxes suddenly. You know, I have a flat surface. There are benefits to the desk. I'll tell you a couple of benefits to the desk. One of them is it gives you a place to like hold up an album or a True. photograph or whatever. And, and, you, and it has to be very still when that happens because the camera's shooting it from like 30 feet away. Right. So that is good. And then also sometimes you can hide props that you want to reveal. Right. 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 Which You can't really do if there's no desk. Um, I also feel a little bit weird about like, I'm not sure how to sit sometimes, you know, like I like high, I like only having, a third of a body it's almost sure. like being a puppet or something <laughs> so that's nice so there definitely are some advantages to and also oh, like my desk card with like my questions my notes that i've written down i don't have those oh, so what what are you um, doing then uh you know the truth is i i know it all i i have it in my head it's just right. it's a little bit of a security blanket to have it there but if there's something really specific that i need to read like what time something is on or, you know, a list of names or something. It's it's not as convenient.
1: Well, I feel like you get a little magazine rack to hold things. You get an easel to put them on. Yeah. You know, maybe a little like a a little garden wall behind you to hide various props. That could be nice. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. As someone who never knows what to do with my hands, that would be my (laughs) to be able to just put them on a desk. I would need that. (laughs) So I don't know what you're doing. That would throw me off. The, The energy
2: of the show would completely change. You know, as a master at um, with uh, as far as TV hosts, as far as the hands go, is Tom Bergeron. I don't know if you've ever noticed how much he adjusts the cuffs on his um, no. on his shirt sleeves. He will. Uh, he's got a thing where he comes back from commercial. I, I'd always noticed this when he was on Dancing with the Stars that he was always kind of fixing his his sleeves. Well, that's something <laughs> to do. You've got to
1: find some business to do. Yeah, and I think he invented it. Really. <laughs> Nobody else does. I mean, it. what else are you going to do? Check your watch or put your yeah, hands Yeah, you could your check your watch, but
2: then it seems like you want to leave, like you're ready to go, and that's not really a great message for
1: the viewers. Right, right. What else have you been doing in quarantine? I mean, what is your day-to-day when you're not working? Well, you know my macrame, I'm pretty focused on that. <laughs> well, you've been sending out those
2: in the mail, and I've appreciated them. Yes, it's all owls, which um, <laughs> I think I'm trying to figure out a new animal, but... Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I'm working and then I have two little kids and they're, they're crazy and they run around. Basically I come home from work. They attack me at the door while I still have my backpack on, you know, I almost sure. topple over and then we entertain them and vice versa for about two and a half, three <laughs> hours, try to get them to sleep, get them to sleep. I usually fall asleep. Actually, I fall asleep with my son and my wife falls asleep with my, with our daughter every single night. And then about, an hour and 10 minutes later we wake up and i do homework for about 3 hours <laughs> that's a beautiful life yeah
1: do you feel like your kids have noticed different a uh, major difference in life from the pandemic or is it yeah i
2: do i think they're going to be yeah, you know, like if I leave the house, even for a minute, it's like, well, where are you going? What's, you know, what's going on? And especially right. when we went, when we first went back to work, they didn't understand it at all because yeah, every day's like, every day for them is like, Oh, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Dad and mom are home. And then it's like, well, it's not Saturday or Sunday. It's Monday. Now we have to go to work. And you know, it's, it. I, you hate to disappoint them, but I do explain that, Um, that we have to go to work, right? This is my dog. Uh, My dog is dealing with similar issues. You have conversations. uh, I I
1: sit her down and I try to explain to her, if you want to keep living here, I'm going to have to (laughs) make money. I can't have you eating the house plants while I'm gone, this kind of thing. (laughs) And she doesn't understand. Yeah. right. it's, uh, you know, the problem is growing exponentially and we'll just have to deal with it at some point.
2: And you know what? The dog, I think, will get yeah, And the kids, all three of these uh, creatures will get used to it when they have to. Right.
1: Have you traveled at all during this?
2: Yes. I took an RV trip to Idaho. <gasps>
1: That's right. Wait, did you. Was this your first time driving an RV?
2: Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did that feel like? That feels like such a giant jump. Um, it goes from fun to absolutely terrifying. Like there was a stretch where I decided, you know what, instead of stopping, we're going to, I'm going to go through the night and we're going to power our way from Utah to Idaho. But then it was three o'clock in the morning and my wife and two little kids are conked out in the back, you know, and they're, you know, for them, they're just dreaming. They're enjoying themselves. And for me, I was guzzling coffee. My, it just. (laughs) Imagining the thing that kept me awake was imagining a big ball of fire and my whole family in it going through terrible situations like, well, you know, how would I want this to turn out? Would I want to make sure I hope I die with them? Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, oh you know, how will I handle <laughs> this this nightmare that I've created? And that kept me awake. But um, I couldn't help but be resentful as I was the only one awake and driving. <laughs> I think drinking too much coffee late at night
1: will do that to you.
2: Yeah, and driving a five thousand pound vehicle right. with a family.
1: <laughs> just resenting everyone in it. Um, did Molly drive the RV at
2: all? No, no, okay. no. She's that. She did not sign up for driving for the her. RV. Yeah. <laughs>
1: How fast does an RV go? Are you going like freeway speeds? This feels so oh, yeah. dangerous
2: to me. Yeah. No, you can go fast, and then but when it gets windy is when it starts getting a little oh. shaky because you can really feel it right oh. and we even drove by uh it was it wasn't necessarily an rv it was a camper like that was trailing a vehicle and the camper those are the ones that are dangerous i i've learned because when they are attached to the vehicle there's a much greater chance that the camper is going to flip over and flip the vehicle along oh with it god
1: the just the vehicular chaos you've imagined over the last years. So. We're all lucky to be alive. <laughs> Did you uh stop any I mean you left LA in this thing. Where was your first stop? Was it in like southern Utah or what?
2: Yes, it was. We stopped at there's this great campsite um near uh it's spelled hurricane, but they call it hurricane. 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 you know that right? <laughs> right yeah. Of course. We stopped uh, at that campsite and that was great. We stayed in a tent and yeah, I saw all the stars and all of that stuff. Oh, it's lovely. We covered with dirt, and we loaded ourselves back up. And then on my way up to, this is what really got us off track. Is I decided that on our drive up to uh, Utah, I knew one person. I know one person who lives in Salt Lake City, and it's Ty Burrell from Modern oh, Family. Right, he owns a bar there. Yeah, and he lives there. This is where he lives. So I decided, I had his address, we were going to stop at his house <laughs> and knock on the door just with no, <laughs> no heads up, nothing.
0: <laughs>
2: so um, we did, and he was quite a way off the freeway, right. um, which, you know, takes a while in the RV and we get off the freeway and we get to his house and I knock on the door, and nobody's home. Oh, no. so, now I've derailed and I'm laughing the whole time. This is going to be so funny. I'm not going to store. And then we get there and I just thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. Uh, and my wife take a picture. I'm just sitting on the steps in front of his front door. And then we're going to text it to him and see what happens. Oh my God. And you know, a lot of pranks that take a lot of effort. It's easy to be disappointed by the people's reaction because he's like, "Oh my God, what are you doing in town?" You know, like one of those. <laughs> things. Like, what do you mean? What am I doing? In town? I'm in front of your house. I drove an RV. Here. I've never been to Salt Lake City before. It's my first time. I'm sitting in front of your house.
1: <laughs> was he completely out of town? He was completely in L.A. Oh. For me to just drop by a friend's house here is a huge hassle. I would only do it as a prank. I would only do it to intentionally make them uncomfortable. (laughs) I feel like you're very committed to a prank. It's something I admire and that also makes me really uncomfortable. I'm someone who is not good at pranks or good at receiving a prank.
2: I loved them. I, you know, I was thinking about it today because when we we're taping this, it's April Fool's right. Day and I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? And, you know, should I do anything? Is this like, you know, like if you're a real drunk, you don't get hammered on New Year's Eve, you know, it's like that's kind of me on April Fool's Day. But uh, I do like doing stuff. And uh, I bought my kids some um, rubber dog shit. We um, <laughs> invested in uh, four pieces of rubber dog shit and I brought them home and I showed them to my daughter who's six. And boy, I've never seen anybody laugh harder than she was laughing while we were setting them on, <laughs> on the toilets around the house. We just put them like on the seat and then just in front of the toilet, you know, whatever. And waiting for, you know, grandma and Aunt Kelly to find these things. And she was dying. laugh. I mean, she was <laughs> laughing so hard I, that it made me laugh so hard. And I don't know that I've ever laughed more from five dollars worth of anything never mind brown rubber (laughs) that is incredible
1: i had a friend text me about an hour ago he said you better check out your instagram stories they're full of porn i think you got hacked and my heart sank i was like oh my god what's happening I, i can't handle these things and of course it wasn't it was a prank and uh you know i'm not i'm not i'm nervous enough as is I'm unsettled all the time. I don't need more pranks in my life. So it's...
2: there are certain people I won't pull pranks on because it upsets them too much. And Everybody I could go through, like if you and I went through a list of everyone we know mutually, which is probably 150 people. Right. 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 I could tell you whether or not I would pull a prank on each one of those people and maybe to what degree.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like even uh, old coworkers, the writers at your show, I could probably tell you, oh, that person certainly doesn't like to be pranked. That person. Yeah. Yeah. that kind of thing
2: yeah whether they like it or not is not necessarily um part of my criteria <laughs> <laughs> well the thing
1: i mean yeah. I, I like scaring people uh i like jumping out of places i and uh i get that from uh my dad and no one ever likes that and no my boyfriend jim had to finally like beg me you have to promise you'll never do this again and i couldn't understand like why would I stop doing this? But it was right.
2: genuinely scaring him. I love it too. Uh, and my mom would do it a lot. And my mother would, you know, like grab my dad's ankle in the shower and that kind of <laughs> stuff. And and it is it is so fun. I mean, I, you know, there are certain people around my house, but my wife gets so mad when I scare her. I can't scare her anymore <laughs> because sometimes I scare her accidentally. Right. So I have to make a lot of noise now when I go into the bathroom, when I come home from work because... Uh, when she's bathing the children, uh, you know, because <laughs> they react. They're like, hey, and she screams. She, some people are just jumpy. Right. Those are the ones
1: who are really fun to scare. Right. And I think the thing those people need to understand is it's one of the rare thing feelings that you don't get in any other situation to get your heart racing and you're afraid for a moment and then you're safe. Enjoy that for a minute.
2: It's not that big of a deal. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, what a really great prank is, and this is, if you are somebody like your boyfriend who gets scared a lot is to, if you can have, you can have the wherewithal to keep this in your brain, the, the moment you do get pranked is pretend to die of a heart attack. <laughs> and then... <laughs> it all turns right back around this
1: is uh, this is all adding up i do have cholesterol at the high end of normal uh so i think that i'm just building a story here and eventually i will be dead on the floor for a few minutes and see what happens jimmy i mean speaking of all of this kind of thing and surprising people and you know not uh obeying people's wishes that kind of thing look this podcast is it has a very clear title i said no gifts and A few
2: weeks ago. Excuse me. (laughs) I just feel like it'd be rude to not bring a gift, you know? Look, look, I
1: reached out to you. I thought Jimmy could probably use a little exposure. Maybe he'd be on my podcast and we would just have a nice chat. This is my former boss. I have a deep respect for this person. (laughs) We'll have a good time and then move on with our lives. (laughs) You agreed to be on the podcast. I was very happy. And I believe it was yesterday. Uh, I open the door and there's a box waiting for
2: me. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, I just wanted to get you a little something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, do you think I should open it here on the show?
2: Uh, I can wait till later. Okay. okay. No, I think you should open it. I'd love to uh, get your reaction to it. All right. It's uh, in kind of a... Wrapped beautifully. Yeah, it's truly a beautiful
1: wrapping job. It's kind of a... Is this a gingham? Is that what we're calling this? I believe Plan? it is.
2: Yes, I believe it is. Nice yes, navy we have blue. linens that look like that. Yes, it's a so blue let's... gingham uh, pattern wrapped oh. by my assistant Kelly because I am the worst wrapper of gifts in, I would in the United Absolutely
1: States. best you in that. I, I, Footage of me wrapping a gift would be the saddest footage ever recorded.
2: I can't even figure it out. I cannot. It never it's either way too much or, you know, three eighths of an inch, too little. (laughs) I'll always have a hole that I have to then cut out another square of paper and tape over the hole. Or there's a giant like
1: soft bunch of it at the end. Oh, yeah. It makes no sense to me. I finally just I've tried. I've really given it my all. I've looked at YouTube tutorials. It doesn't work for me. I think it's a good It's spatial not like I'm thing. not
2: trying. I am trying. Right. I even thought I'd be smart and start wrapping things in aluminum foil. That doesn't <laughs> work at all. If there's any kind of a any kind of a sharp edge, forget about it. <laughs> right. And aluminum foil tears so easily.
0: Yeah. So
1: but let's open this up. Let's see what's happening here.
2: Open it up. Is this is something um it makes me think of you and in fact it makes me think of when i hired you kind of why i hired you oh fantastic i can't wait to yeah. see this
1: okay oh it's this is very well wrapped some people might go too far i'll just say it yeah,
0: this it got is got
2: i might have to use my teeth here even yeah you don't oh my kids are yelling at me hey kids i'm doing a podcast <laughs> going, come out come out <laughs> i hope
1: everything's okay
2: okay hold on because you may get to witness a prank here so um oh. don't look in your box okay yet. I'm, I'm i have not on. seen what's inside the box yet what's going on here oh thank you you made this for me okay thank you all right See, it turns out to be an easter egg <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> Is
1: that a sorry candy Easter that. egg or a painted Easter egg?
2: It's a painted Easter egg. And she says to dad from Jane, I made this for you. Love Jane. Oh, that's so sweet. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. Don't apologize. All
1: right. All right. Let's open this up. I'd like to get the tissue here.
2: Just... Yep. Tissue. The whole deal. Oh, oh
1: my God. This is incredible. <laughs> this is a real. This is. A deep cut. This is a real deep cut. You've given me a volleyball, which that's right. I mean, you can explain, or I, I'm happy to explain. explain. We'll we'll probably have to have some conversation about this.
2: You know, I always thought your Twitter was very funny, but for whatever reason, what stuck with me most was when you talk about your volleyball team. And that you are suing them and that you're disappointed with them and things are not good with my volleyball team. <laughs> you tweeted a lot about your volleyball team, but you'd space them out. As I recall, it'd be like three months, no mention of the volleyball team. And then something, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, praying for the strength to forgive my volleyball team. <laughs> i uh that's very true i did that for an extremely
1: long time (laughs) um it basically ended uh in 2016 when the world started on fire and uh Twitter also kind of started on fire. And I was like, yeah. I don't think people want to hear about my volleyball.
2: I don't think they even want to see me tweeting anymore. You know what? I think it's volleyball time again. And now that you have <laughs> a volleyball, hopefully it will inspire you to tweet more about your team.
1: I I've stopped tweeting. Twitter is not a fun place to be anymore. It's just it's truly just opening the gates of hell every time you get on it you're of course the world a lot of horrible things are happening in the world i just i need to be able to control when i see those things i can't have just the banshees flying out at me at all times yeah i like the big i think the strike well strike a thousand i suppose was last january (laughs) there was a moment when truly every person on twitter was saying we're entering world war three Get ready for it. It's this week. And I was I was convinced. I was like, oh, well, I mean, most of these people are smarter than me. They probably read more news than me. It's World War Three. And uh, then, of course, that didn't come true. And so that was kind of the la- one of the final straws for me. I was just like, I can't, my brain cannot handle this website anymore. It's not right. enjoyable. And it just feels like you're telling jokes at a funeral all the time. It's just a little miserable and it's also maybe the way
2: to go is that to only have outgoing Twitter. That would be nice. <laughs> only when you put the jokes out, but you never see any feedback to anything. Or I, I mean, you could do that if you really wanted to. But I guess kind of part of the fun of, of putting a joke out there is seeing if people press that little heart button. Right. There's the weird addiction issue that kind of
1: goes into it. There's a, there are just all kinds of things. And I, but I loved volleyball. I mean, Twitter. I started it. As basically, I thought, you know, I want to be a writer. This is my, I don't know anyone in this business. I'll write jokes. I know how to do this or I'll learn how to do it. And I did it for a long time. So it caused me a great deal of anxiety. But the volleyball <laughs> team was something I would, I knew I would always enjoy doing. I thought right. there's a lot of drama here. There's a very clear goal of what's going on. And I can do it once a week. I can do it once a month or whatever. Also, volleyball is the sport that scares me the most. Is it? Yes. I. It's the, because... I think largely because my older brother was always throwing things at me as a kid. And so there's like a real built-in flinch uh, mechanism in my brain. Even more than like dodgeball. Oh, what far more than dodgeball for some reason. I think because dodgeball, the goal is to run away from the ball. And so you have, you know, you have the excuse to get away from the ball. But in volleyball, if you're running away from the ball, you're fucked.
2: So you're saying you have no use for this gift that I've given you.
1: I absolutely have a use for it. I get to cherish it. I have this thing that I tweeted about for years has now manifested itself in physical form. Yes, this is like the secret. This is like what Oprah was talking about. (laughs) This is exactly what all the books, everything. You do a tweet about it long enough and you will get a volleyball. No, I mean, I mean, that said, Twitter, for me, as you well know, I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this story like I tweeted for years and years, and in two, I moved to LA in 2010, and I had been here for four years with no luck getting a writing job. I had had a couple like close calls that didn't work out, and in 2014 June, I was like, "Okay, well, I'm I'm not going to write anymore." I mean, like, I have no money. This, I really don't know anybody that's going to be able to get me a job, and Twitter, I had had some, you know, whatever success on it, but nothing had come of it so I started looking up social media jobs in Utah. I was like, it's over. And my friend, Matt Bretson was like, just hang on a little bit longer. And a month later, my friend, it was 11 o'clock at night and I had just tweeted something that I had enjoyed. And a friend texted me and said, I'm going to Krispy Kreme, which is in Burbank. Do you want to go for a ride? So I was like, sure. I didn't look at my phone the entire way. And we get to Krispy Kreme and I take it out, take the phone out, and I've received a direct message from Jimmy Kimmel and about passed away. And you said you had been reading Mm -hmm. my tweets and that you enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. And I I, I was so glad at that moment to be with a friend because had I not been, I would have spent 12 hours thinking, how do you respond to this? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to ruin another, you know, my last opportunity. And he's like, just be a normal person. Just say thank you. And so that's what I did, which is, you know, whatever I would have come up with certainly would have ruined my chances at getting this job. And then over about the course of, a, m- of course, the next day I was flying to Utah. And so I was like, oh, any chance of a job coming up is now ruined. I'm going to be in Utah for three weeks. But for the next month, I every time I tweeted, I was sweating because you said you wanted to meet and about possibly for a job. And so I was like, well, every time I tweet, I may ruin my chance at getting this job. (laughs) And, and we also didn't have a lot of communication. So every time I tweeted, I was like, Oh, well, I haven't heard from Jimmy in two weeks. I guess the, the hope is hope has died and who Uh, knows what'll happen. Uh, But then we, I finally came and I met you at your office and, Uh, You hired me, which and then I went to my car and cried. And then, (laughs) I mean, you truly just turned my entire life around. It was such a wild moment for me. And weirdly, that was kind of the last time you and I spoke, just had a conversation because then you became my boss. And then my next fear set in, which is now this man's going to fire me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just afraid of you for a year and a half. And I mean, it was a wonderful job and I had such a great time, but every night I would go to bed and think, I hope I have at
2: least one joke he likes tomorrow or (laughs) career is dead. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty loose when it comes to that sort of thing. Like you, you can go through a pretty long dry spell. and I won't say anything about it because I get it. And you know what? I think that's a, not that we're necessarily looking for lessons, but it's interesting because people think it's, people think that you become successful because of a moment and if you really if you don't really analyze it you may go like oh well that was the moment bridger that i happened jimmy kimmel saw his 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 tweet and then he contacted him and he hired him but the truth is you've been working on this every single day for years and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it over and over again and i see funny tweets all the time but I won't necessarily reach out to somebody unless I see a pattern of them because, you know, anybody can write something funny once. And sure, sure. you I probably was tracking you for six months when I, <laughs> I reached out to you. I think you had been because I remember you
1: when you follow. Of course, I remember when you followed me and I was like, well, I mean, that adds a little bit of anxiety, but. Then you kind of forget about it and keep to like there's like two weeks, Jimmy Kimmel's followed me, I better be good, and then you don't hear from him. And so it's just like, Okay, well he probably muted me and uh now I'm free again.
2: And yeah. uh but then it all worked out. It never occurred to me to mute anybody. I, I If I follow somebody, that's like, uh, you know, that, that means I'm interested. Oh, well, sure. it's, it's occurred to me hundreds of times to mute people. <laughs> it's uh, so weird to be in a position where people are overanalyzing what you might think, for me anyway, because, you know, I've certainly been on the other end of that. And to... Right and I never really think of myself that way I have to like stop and kind of go through you know go okay oh yeah well all right that makes sense yeah the guys you know looking for a job and and that's <laughs> you know that's what I did when I was trying to get the attention of like my local radio DJ who I would call in and try to be funny <laughs> and, uh, and they're like yeah that's funny and then you know you have to keep you never even get the hotline number you have to keep calling the request line over and over again <laughs> to try to get through and make the guy laugh and hopefully meet him at a um, at an appearance at a wet and wild water park or something.
1: <laughs> but that I mean, that work. I mean, that worked out for you. I mean, I'm curious, like because you started in radio and now that podcasting is this enormous thing. Do you have any interest in
2: podcasting? Um, I enjoy I love being on the radio. You know, it's basically this is the same as the radio, although there's a lot less pressure when you're doing a podcast than when you're doing a radio show. Right you know, you have a boss and you have ratings every month and you have all of this and sponsors to deal with and all this kind of stuff. It's definitely different. Um, and it was much harder to get in. Like, I feel like if there had been podcasts when I was starting out, I could have maybe gone more quickly because just getting on the air is two years of hanging around the radio station. Right. You're barely ever on. And then you know, some might call it a stroke of luck, but really it was just like your situation where I was just I came up with little funny ideas for this dish jockey, you know, over a course of years, like a couple of times a week. And right. then finally he got an opportunity where he could hire me, and he hired me. And uh it wasn't a matter of like being funny one time or making a tape or you know acing a job interview or something it was just a matter of like laying a ton of groundwork and really like you know being it's not even about it's not about being uh an a plus uh once or twice it's it's about being like a b minus like a thousand times in a row (laughs) you know I, everybody appreciates a B minus. A B minus is pretty good. Right.
1: That's beyond, way beyond passing. Yeah. Oh, now I, something else I've been wanting to talk to you about is cooking because you're, I mean, you're cooking up a storm. I mean, as of the last couple of days, even you're now just boasting about how good you are at making pizza on Instagram. (laughs) Have you been cooking
2: your entire adult life like this, or is it like a recent interest? I started cooking when I was 20. I Actually, I started when I was a teenager, but I was cooking things like hot dogs. But (laughs) I put a lot of effort into, and I still do. When I make a hot dog, it's like I used to eat three hot dogs for lunch almost every day, (laughs) which explains my physique. (laughs) What were you putting on the hot dogs? Golden's mustard and sauerkraut. And the way I did it was I, I cooked the hot dogs in a dry pan so I could kind of burn the outside the skin in the same way you get it like a Nathan's in New York. And then I would throw the, the sauerkraut into the pan with the hot dogs to then steam them. Then I put the buns over top of everything so that the steam from the sauerkraut steamed the buns (laughs) a little bit. And then I go crazy with the mustard. And, and from there I, you know, I did morning radio. I, my first real paying job was in Seattle And my partner, Kent Voss, this guy I worked with, we lived together and I was married. I got married when I was 20 as well. So um, my wife at the time had a regular job. So she got home from work at 530 and Kent and I got off work at 10 a.m. So oftentimes I'd come home, I'd make lunch for the two of us. And then I had, you know, four hours of the day where I would make lunch, make dinner and my wife would come home and we'd have dinner. And I just started doing it over and over again. And I got interested in it. And do you, I mean, are you cooking multiple times a week? Oh, yes. I cook, I, I, you know, I cook for the kids um, most of their meals and I cook for my wife. Yeah, I do. I do almost all the cooking in the house. And
1: does this happen after work? I don't What is your, your schedule to me is out of control.
2: Breakfast and dinner. That's, there's a lunch. Of course, we're at work for, right. but um, yeah, I'll usually make breakfast and um, sometimes I Sometimes I'll make waffles or pancakes or right, you shaped
1: know. pancakes. That feels yes.
2: like sometimes I get crazy and I'll make like a <laughs> I'll make like a breakfast uh, taco of some kind. But and then I'll come home and uh, if my wife is hungry, I'll make dinner. Otherwise, I try not try not to eat dinner.
1: Do you have any interest in opening a restaurant or anything like that?
2: Well, I do have, you know, I have investments in restaurants and with some of my friends, but um not, you know, that's really hard work. I don't think people realize how hard mm-hmm. restaurant workers. I mean, that is you are on your feet really working. I think I'm just too old for that. Sure, sure. Where do you like to eat in L.A.? Um, I like to eat. I'd say the restaurants that I eat mo- at most are APL, which right. is on Hollywood and Vine, which is a barbecue place and steakhouse. And um connie and ted's which is a seafood place wonderful wonderful uh, cheeseburger on crescent heights oh and they do have a very good cheeseburger yeah Yeah. i know that because my daughter will order that eat none of it and then i (laughs) eat all the rest of
1: it yeah it's really one of the best in town i think
2: the best thing they have i think is and everything they make is great but they have a rhode island style clam chowder i've never had clam chowder oh well, clam chowder, if you like clams is, is. I mean, I love clams like linguine and clams is my right. is my death row meal. But <laughs> the clam chowder, uh, you know, typically it's either Manhattan or New England style. So it's either that creamy white clam chowder right. or it's the red brothy. But this is more of a um, seafood. It's almost like a, it looks like a chicken broth. Oh, and and they give you these little crackers to put in it and it's got clams and they're cooked just beautifully. They're not overcooked That's... and um, it's very good.
1: Yeah. I, my only exposure to clam chowder has been the white clam chowder, which I never ate. I, it just it seemed kind of like a glue consistency with canned clams, which yeah. is a hard sell, but yeah, I feel like yeah. a good clam chowder I could probably get into. I don't know.
2: Go to get the Rhode Island style clam chowder at Conadine Ted's. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, look, I think we should play a game. Okay. Do you want to play a game called Gift or a Curse or a game called Gift Master? Gift or a Curse? Gift, gift or a Curse. Okay, give me a number between one and ten. Six. Okay, I have to do some light calculating. So right now you can promote something, you can recommend something, you can uh, sing an, uh, a song that won't be a copyright issue. You can do whatever okay. you want. I'll be right back.
2: Okay, since we're talking about cooking... I will talk about tortillas because tortillas are you know they're all pretty good but they have these tortillas now that most people probably know about but if you don't you're going to go crazy and be so thankful to me for this they're raw they're dough they're they're i think like a company called tortilla land and there's some other company that sells them and you put them in the frying pan and you cook them and then you have fresh tortillas they actually they create these big like air bubbles like a great pizza, you know, and then there are little burn marks on them. Have you had these tortillas?
1: Jimmy, they, I mean, you are speaking to me on such an incredible level. I think on this podcast, probably multiple times I've complained about a factory made tortilla because I think it's a factory made tortilla is one of the biggest crimes that's being yeah. perpetrated right now. I get these ones at this place in downtown L.A. called it's called Loki, and they sell you like a dozen for $6 or something, and they're really? like half made. And so uh, great. Uh, you heat them up and they taste so much better. They're par-cooked. Tried making some tortillas early. It's pandemic. Hard.
2: It's extremely difficult. It's hard, yes. My, you know, Cleto, our band leader, you know, has been my friend since I was nine years old. His mom has tried to teach me how to make tortillas, and I just, I don't know, I can't get it. They're hard
1: to roll out. They're either too thick or too thin, and I rip holes hard in Hard or them. Crisco.
2: How do you spell right. Loki, by the way?
1: Um, L-O-Q-U-I, I believe.
2: Okay. Yeah, right.
1: very good tacos, and then you can buy the tortillas. One of the you know benefits of the pandemic is these places now selling the things that you couldn't buy before, and tortillas yeah. are one of them.
2: Oh, nice. Uh,
1: but look, we're going to play Gift or a Curse. This is how it works. I'm going to name three things, and you're going to tell me if they're a gift or a curse and Why? Okay. And I have to be extremely clear: there are correct answers. There are objectively correct answers, and so you can lose this game. Okay. So first up, uh, this is a listener suggestion: gift or a curse? Demolition derbies, and that's from. Let's give some credit to
2: Katie. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say gift, not because I would want to go to one. Right. But because if someone tells me they go to demolition derbies, that's kind of all I need to know. (laughs) I don't have to do any more prying, investigating. I don't need to know know anything more. I just know that we're probably not going to hang out.
1: (laughs) Okay, Jimmy. Well, look, you got the first one right. I think they're absolutely a gift. And this is what I'm going to say, which may come as some level of surprise. I mean, I've probably been to a demolition derby. But the concept to me, wonderful. You get to go to a place and watch cars just slam into each other
2: sure i'm on board with that i have it's no the, it's so the opposite of how we behave all the rest of the time right. like oh you put a ding in my car give me your insurance information you know like i gotta buff this out i doing everything oh i scratched the side of the goddamn truck and <laughs> then you go to this thing and people are intentionally driving them into each other yeah there's something very thrilling about that i feel like i've now um unfairly judge those who go to those thank
1: you i think an apology is due uh yes. to me and to the rest of the demolition derby audience i i guess the noise factor i'm not a big noise person so that part if i could go to a silent demolition derby that would really be a key thing for
2: me i don't mind me. the noise it's the smell uh the feet smell oh, the fuel i don't love well yeah. how
1: about like a tesla demolition derby i feel Ooh, like that
2: would be nice i can put yeah. that
1: out in the air somebody some billionaire i would totally go to a
2: prius demolition derby you know (laughs) in fact my daughter has a car that could qualify it's like you know it's it's a prius i bought her in high school and she still has it she's 30 (laughs) (laughs) and we could crash that thing up pretty good
1: the katie kimmel demolition derby i think that's a great idea okay you've got one so far number two this may be an all listener suggestion gift or curse so this could be interesting This is from someone named JF. I don't know what that means. Gift or a curse,
2: cinnamon toothpaste? Okay. First of all, this is Jimmy Fallon who sent this (laughs) in. I know what JF said. Cinnamon toothpaste, I'm going to say curse. Why? Um, I don't think toothpaste should taste like food. I think it's confusing (laughs) to the mouth. I have, my kids have chocolate toothpaste, which is truly vile. It's like, I don't know, you're, you know, you're supposed to be cleaning that out of there, not putting it in. (laughs) And once you start eating that kind of toothpaste, which, you know, I'm a Colgate man myself. Oh, interesting. Once you really go for the food-based toothpaste, I don't know that there's any coming back. Right, right.
1: Look, for, you know, for a little bit of tension's sake, I would love to say that you're wrong here, but I'm... Also, I feel like cinnamon toothpaste sounds so terrible. Also, yep. I, don't, I don't need the toothpaste encouraging me to swallow. It should be encouraging you to spit out. Yeah, I exactly. Think, I mean, we have a whole trend of things going on where things taste like other things. Uh, you know, yogurt tasting like a peanut butter sandwich. Let's just have, let's keep everything in its separate categories is what I'm thinking.
2: I agree, and, but I will say that cinnamon toothpicks... I am very in favor oh,
1: interesting. Of yeah, I like a mint or a cinnamon toothpick.
2: I like a toothpick in general, to be honest. Me too. I like the guys who carry them around, you know? <laughs> oh, of course. Like, you know, the guys that carry flavored toothpicks <laughs> around are like always like, even if they're not your uncle, you feel like they are. That guy is <laughs> always a pervert. That's just a sign of a true pervert.
1: I mean, as one of the least cool people on the planet, I still, with a toothpick in my mouth, it elevates you a little bit. You feel kind you're of right. like a tough guy for a minute. And there's something Yeah, somewhere between a tough
2: point. guy and Huckleberry Finn. Right, right.
1: Yeah. If you get a little cinnamon there, that's just a bonus. Okay, you're doing very well. I hope, Thank you. you know, no one, I don't know that anyone's ever won this game. So let's, let's see what <laughs> happens here. Uh, final one. This is from a listener named Aaron. This is uh, Gift or a Curse, Frozen Grapes as quote-unquote
2: healthy candy. No that's a curse. Yeah. That's just <laughs> sad. I mean, that's, you know, that's where you've hit rock bottom when you're, you're going through your weight watchers cards and, uh, you know, that's where you're like, you're getting some like sugar-free ice cream and pouring a uh, diet, strawberry soda over top of it. And I <laughs> it's really dessert. Just, a it's just like, it's something, it's like, uh, it's like something my aunt Fran would have done in like 1981. <laughs> Jimmy,
1: What a wonderful little defense you've come up with here. But unfortunately, (laughs) I think that despite the fact that I've never had one, a frozen grape (laughs) as a healthy candy is absolutely a gift. I mean, what are we even talking about? You're getting a nice little piece of fruit, I imagine. It's cold. You know, more than five people I know have tried them. So there must be something happening there.
2: And I. (laughs) Yeah tried them is the key <laughs> word though right and not it's not like a, a lifestyle it's it's something you go eh, yeah i tried it listen uh, think about think about getting on like um a, a mexican airline okay right. You know, that little fruit salad that comes with it. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. It's always grapes that have been previously frozen and uh, (laughs) there's nothing good about them. And to me, when I think of frozen grapes, I'm comparing them to grapes, which are which I am very in favor of. I mean, grapes are delicious. A nice cold grape. But once it reaches, once it gets grows beneath that that temperature, which it freezes, I'm not in favor. There is a worry there
1: for me texturally. Uh but that said just to keep things balanced on this game I'm just going to not let you win. Uh-huh. Um I feel like I had to get all 3. I didn't, I thought two out of 3 wins. No, 2 out of 3 does not win. 2 out of 3 is oh. a 66%. And yeah. I mean,
2: you're B7 if you round?
1: <laughs> this is not a show that rounds. Uh-oh. We do not round up on I said no gifts. Oh, But very good job anyway. Let's answer. This is called I Said No Questions. People are writing into I Said No Gifts at gmail.com. They're desperate for answers. Would you help me answer a question? Sure. Okay. This says, let's see here. This has got a good start. Hello. My father's wife is a terrible woman. She truly <laughs> dislikes my siblings and I. Passive aggressor should be her middle name. Okay. One year she gave us the movie Pay It Forward on VHS. That's an interesting detail. Uh, (laughs) Please know that there is more than enough money for my father and her to want for nothing. Okay, so we're dealing with a wealthy woman. Now, as an adult, I get to keep my distance from these toxic people, and I've let go of trying so hard to be the bigger person. My question is... What do you give a garbage person of a stepmother and father that basically acts like a distant uncle? Sincerely, Jade. Now, this is interesting because it just seems like Jade
2: despises these two people. Yeah, just wanted to get something off his chest or her chest. Yeah, I... I (laughs) I uh, there's not even, didn't even even like indicate what holiday it is. I mean, was <laughs> is it a birthday? Is it Christmas? Is it an anniversary? What are we talking about here? <laughs> I feel like Jade knows that the stepmom and dad listened to
1: this podcast and just wanted it to be out there for them to hear how much he or she
2: hates them. I will say I'm glad I think it's healthy that Jade didn't limit the blame to the stepmother. Because (laughs) I am always of the opinion that if you marry someone who treats your children badly, your children, obviously, from a previous marriage, that that reflects on you more than it does on the person who comes into the family. Yeah, you're there to protect the kids. Yeah, they're your children. You should be closer to them than you are to your spouse. Right.
1: I mean, it's just a a tragic situation. I mean, the fact that this person's writing in this podcast. All that said, what do you get a gift for someone that you don't like? Pay it forward on VHS, I guess. (laughs) How about upgrade to Laserdisc? I feel like pay (laughs) it forward on Laserdisc or a uh, poster. What year did pay it forward come out? Pay it forward to me feels like a 2002 movie.
2: Okay. So in 2002, there were no VHS tapes. (laughs) That was like...
1: The last breath of VHS was probably 2001. Okay, it came out
2: October 20th, 2000. Okay, I'm two Uh years off, I lose the game so yes and so so it is available on vhs so this is not a lie (laughs) that this person made up but at the time in 2000 no one had vhs players in fact we were moving away from dvds at that point into the blu-ray world right
1: (laughs) i i think that was 2000 to me is like did you get the matrix on dvd i think that was the big exciting thing to say around that period so i think that we were just headed into dvd territory so vhs was not an exciting gift to get at that point it was Something you would buy used at a blockbuster.
2: Yeah, for sure. It was definitely not a new item, and if it was, it was in the discount bin. <laughs> yeah, ninety-seven DVDs really came out.
1: So this is well
2: into the death of the VHS. The
1: stepmother, and also I feel like giving somebody "Pay It Forward" as a gift is kind of a it is a passive aggressive move. Saying, I mean, the concept I think I remember the movie is, I mean, literally the title. You do nice things for people.
2: I think, mean, yeah, somebody does something nice for you and then you have to go and do something nice for someone else. So maybe the gift is to a third party who's not involved. You can say, Hey, listen, I watched that movie Pay It forward. You gave me thanks again for that. That was wonderful. <laughs> um, what I did is I bought a, a VHS of easy money and I gave it to, <laughs> um, some asshole in my apartment complex. <laughs>
1: I I mean, Jade has just I mean, I feel like, you know, usually I'm ready to recommend things. I, I feel like the gift Jade gives stepmom and dad is lose their number. I think it's just time to cut them
2: off completely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like she already has.
1: <laughs> or maybe this, you know, uh, this is rock bottom for their relationship and this brings them back together. Maybe she's she hears her words echoed back to her and yeah. calls them up and they watch finally get together and watch pay it forward I or
2: maybe know. she really wants to fuck with her give her a great gift that will like blow her mind and confuse her to no end <laughs> you know like a really beautiful bracelet or something like that right. and then She's just like what? what the what else? i must have misjudged this stepdaughter completely <laughs>
1: If there's ever been an opportunity for these uh, to give a gift or to give a car with a giant bow on top, I think this is the this is the time. Yeah, it's the, you know, the Lexus sales event of the season or whatever. Go buy it, put a giant bow on top.
2: My cousin Ivy did that to my daughter, Katie, when she turned um, like 17, she'd rented a car. She was in an accident or rented like a truck or something. And then it was Katie's birthday party. And she pulled up into the driveway in this truck. And then she decided to be funny to go in the house and say like, hey, Katie, look, <laughs> oh, no. and look. And Katie was very excited and then realized that it was not her car. And I don't think <laughs> Katie has ever forgiven. her. For it. <laughs> I don't blame her at all.
1: That's so mean. oh that's heartbreaking yeah it's bad oh okay well you know we tried our best here that's all anybody can ask of this podcast is that everyone tried
2: that's all anyone can ask
1: of anything right right jimmy this is the end of the show i mean oh
2: what should i do then
1: look I struggle every time to end the
2: podcast. Oh, because the dismount is hard. Yeah, the oh, it's dismount is hard. hard. People don't realize that's the underrated moment of the interview. It's it's kind of you know sometimes a little slow getting into it, but um, you know an introduction always helps wrap that. You know what? A plug is a nice way to get out. Is a, a, oh, not that no, I, I'm right. looking for a plug.
1: We should give you a plug. Jimmy has a little show on, uh, I believe, it airs on ABC every oh, once plug. in a while. What?
2: plug loki again i mean we don't need <laughs> sure. to plug, but it's it gives you some information to talk about you know? we
1: can plug uh your daughter katie kimmel i've i've plugged her on this podcast oh, before i think that she's great <laughs> her things make a great gift she makes some amazing ceramic items
2: and very fun she stuff does. she makes funny uh ceramics and t-shirts and paintings and she's at katie kimmel k-a-t-i-e right. kimmel at uh, on instagram well Thank you so much for being here. It's been just a delight and it was my pleasure. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you for a second time yeah <laughs> <laughs> We talked more times than that by the way right I I, mean, I, we probably did, but I'm
1: telling yeah. you every time I, I mean there's just a layer of when somebody is the authority in the situation it's very you're like I can't say anything wrong right now and not that you not that you ever even showed signs of like it's not like you're this wild dictator that was just firing people
2: left and right. But in my mind, I was like, if I move an inch. Yeah, I don't know. Did I fire anyone during the time, the whole time you were there? Not that I know of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I was like, well, then it's going to be me. I'm the most likely candidate.
2: So I don't know. God, bless you survived perfectly well. Well, it's very nice talking to you. Yes. Thank Um, you
1: so much for this volleyball. It's going to go on some sort of mantle. And it will never be tossed in the air, at least not at me.
2: And give my best to your
1: team. No, of course. (laughs) Of course. Listener, this is the end of the show, as we've been discussing for a few minutes. So now you have to decide what you'll do next in life. And I trust you. I think you're going to do a great job. Take care. I Said No Gifts is an exactly right production. It's engineered by our dear friend Annalise Nelson, and the theme song is by miracle worker Amy Mann. You must follow the show on Instagram at I Said No Gifts. That's where you're going to see pictures of all these wonderful gifts I'm getting. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you found me. And why not leave a review while you're there? It's really the least you could do. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, go to midroll.com ads
0: when I invited you here I thought I made myself perfectly clear when you're a guest in my home.